0: It's not for fame or fortune that most deem necessary. No, I invest to don a crest for work less ordinary. Nor be it want of medals, cap or polished shoes, but a calling to help others who have everything to lose. To face hell's dancing angels and suppress them with each stride, to search resolve from deep within as loved ones weep outside. To stand with pride and dignity as comrades we remember, be it pipes lament that fill sad air or silence in September. And may those names that have been etched in brass or granite stone haunt me in the darkness so I never fight alone. And if a colleague's head hangs low from tasting tragedy, let me offer up my shoulder for them to lean on me. But when amazing grace is played, alas for none but me. Lower the flag, but raise a glass, for I'm not far from thee. I'm gathered with the old flames, looking down from God's great height. On call, if aid be needed, to join you in the fight.
1: And today we have my friend Rick Swales. Rick and I have been communicating back and forth, and what I love about Rick is his passion for the job, uh, his humility, and it's all built on the foundation of a strong work ethic and somebody who uh, gives it a full effort, and he's been doing this for a while. Right now, he's with Grand Junction Fire out here in Colorado, and I'm really looking forward to Rick sharing his story about how he got started in the fire service and where he's at now. I think he has a pretty uh, interesting story recently when he moved out to Colorado that we really want to get to towards the end of this podcast. But Rick, man, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, for coming on. We appreciate it,
2: man. uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, Really enjoy listening to the things you have to say and uh, the people that are, that uh, follow you and all that, the, my kind of people. So yeah, thank you for having me and uh, be glad to share whatever I can.
1: Yeah, we appreciate that. I think that's the great thing about the fire services there's so many of us on the same mission, like-minded mindsets. Uh, we want to do the best job we can. And when we find other people out there uh, moving in that same direction, it inspires us. I know your story, just the, the, the times that we've talked have inspired me uh, as I get further in my career, what you recently were able to do. But before we get to that, let's talk about how you got into the fire service, a little bit about your background, and then I'd like to move into the um, – the smoke diver program and how that's been such a big part of your
2: life. Right. Um, So my history with the the fire service actually goes all the way back to my grandfather. Uh, My grandfather, he uh, retired as a captain in the city of Tampa uh, in Florida there. And, um, you know, growing up and going down there and visiting him in the firehouse really was something that uh, really drew me to the job. And, um, you know, my mother was a big influence in that as well. And uh, she, she, from, you know, from as long as I can remember, that was something she always wanted me to do was going to the fire service. So she was kind of, uh, you know, kind of planted that seed early. And my father, he was a football coach, so he wanted me to go that route. And I did, you know, the football all the way into college. But leaving college football, I needed something where I still had that camaraderie and um, and then that, that competitive side you know, of going in there and, and, and being able to perform at a high level, that's kind of something that would drew me to it. And, uh, you know, the excitement. Back then, you know, we, we fought a lot of fire, did a lot of really fun things. And uh, at, at the end of the day when you were done, it was it was very gratifying to, uh, you know, celebrate um, a good fire and, and and a good job done together. And so that's kind of how I, I got into the fire service. So, um you know, the path from my mom trying to move me in that direction to where I finally got in there was kind of a roundabout little journey. But, uh, you know, thankfully, I got there. I, I really believe I'm doing what I was born to do. Um, and and I've really dedicated my life to it. As soon as I got in there, I knew that was what I wanted to do. I knew that that's where I, I needed to be. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tried to be the best I could all the time with it. And, you know, it wasn't until I really matured in the fire service where, where I, I understood that the obligations that I had, you know, it's so easy when you're young, you're kind of naive about it and, and you're, you're more in it for some selfish reasons. But, um, uh, you know, as you grow older in here, you realize the obligation that you have to, you know, yourself, the, uh, your peers and, um, and and the people that you serve, and not just the people in your community, but the people who pass through your community. So there there's a huge obligation there, and 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 it's kind of funny. You know, I I watch. Uh, I'm new to social media, you know, because uh, I got on there. I started the the Colorado smoke diver thing going, and then and uh, I had a little Instagram thing going there for a little bit. But for the most part, this is all new to me. And, and now I'm I'm seeing these other people out there that are. Uh, it's, it's really a cool way to get out there and, and really mingle with all the people out there that think the same way and all that. And that's very refreshing for me too, because, uh, you know, I think we talked about this earlier, like early in my career, there were a lot of people that didn't get up and, you know, they felt like we fought enough fire that we got our exercise by doing the job and we did. Um, but, you know, I always felt compelled to do more and, and things like that. And, uh. You know, you hear guys say that, you know, the physical fitness part of it, of the job is something that we can control in, in our job. And, and if you can control it, you know, out of all the variables we deal with, if you can control something, you, you exploit it, you know, it's like a barroom fight. You get your, you put yourself in the best position to win. And, uh, you know, and, and it's refreshing to see people do that and challenge themselves, you know, like, uh the guys Marcos and them doing the the ladder thing, that's awesome, you know, because that's twofold, right? We're getting we're getting fit, but we're also learning to uh be confident with that piece of equipment and and, and that goes a long way. So that, that's that means makes a difference on the fire ground. And uh and it's a fun way to to interact with other people in the community and uh we're all getting better together. So uh I just wish I had enough time to go out there and do that. <laughs> You yeah. know, so I'm going to have I've been I went out there and I, I threw a couple ladders today and I was like, man, it was really nice. But, uh, yeah, th- that's it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, what I like about what you said is early in our careers. It is kind of about us. It's about us proving ourselves. It's about us, you know, kind of representing our last name, representing ourselves. And then you begin to realize, like, we represent one of us represents all of us like one firefighter represents the whole fire service so when you're in the grocery store shopping or you're talking to your neighbor or you're on a call like i feel like i have a responsibility to represent you rick in a positive way and i know you feel that same way and i think when you get further into this career you get deeper into it you realize like that's a huge responsibility you know you're representing the fire service so i really appreciate you you sharing
2: that Oh, you're welcome. It's uh, it really uh, you know, and you talk about that point right there, or to your point, you know, it's like when I came out here, a lot of people asked me, "Oh, you just transferred to Grand Junction," and I'm like, "Well, it doesn't really work that way." But uh, you know, the lay person is, doesn't understand that that we're not all interconnected that way. And, uh, that you have to go through a whole nother process and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, but, but we are, we are connected that way in a sense, like you say. So, uh, yeah, the, the representation that's out there is, is something that people never forget. You don't, you only get one chance to make that first impression. And, uh, you know, you got to go out there, you got to be on your A game all the time, even when you're uh, tired or even when you're not, you know, you've been beat down all shift and, and, uh. That, that next call could really be the one that makes the difference and all that. So, yeah, you're absolutely right.
1: And then the fitness for you is something, you know, coming from a sports background, you know, it just transitioned into the fire service. And you're, and you're right. Like, we have complete control over our fitness. And I like how you said if you're in a, in a bar fight, put yourself in the, the best position. Same thing if you're in a firefight. And we are. I mean, I don't think enough of us attach to the fighter and firefighter. Like we're fight, It's in our job title. Like fighters show up physically fit. You don't watch a fight where some guys not prepared. So it's so true. Control the things you can control. So you're prepared for the things you can't. And all the things we can't control are the calls we go on, how many calls we go on, what time of day we go on calls, you know, that's out of our control, but what we can control, we need to control. Now you talked about your fire service career. I know you just, recently left your fire department out in i believe it was georgia how long were you there and what what rank were you at when you left that department
2: all right so yeah i worked for 25 years in, a, in uh, metro atlanta in a department out there a couple different i moved from one to another but i ended up retiring as a captain out of the city of fayetteville in south metro atlanta and uh so i retired and a buddy of mine was out here in grand junction and you know i felt like uh this area out here was somewhere i'd like to be for recreation and uh the city of grand junction was abs- there they're in a position which we still are where we're trying to recruit and build up our staffing so i had a you know a chance to go up there and uh and i did and when i when i came up here um you know aside from the recreation one of the things that i really liked about the department was is that a majority of the uh and when I say a majority, I'm, I'm talking like a, a large majority of the people that are here uh, in this department genuinely want this department to succeed. So, you know, it's easy in the fire service for a lot of people to get disgruntled. And, and then they're, they're kind of that cranky firefighter that sits on the couch, hard to get motivated and, and things like that. And here uh, – Everybody you know really wants this department to be the best it can be and and I see it you know i i I made I talked to somebody today because we're about to graduate our recruit class tomorrow and um and I had some guys up we did some scenario based training and they where it was like an orientation of shift work so we were like we had dispatchers up there toning out calls and things it was very realistic they ran everything from structure fires to wrecks with entrapment to your old uh you know EMS call that nothing was really there. You know, that, that you know, one of those ones that just kind of grinds you down a little bit, but they did that for 12 hours and it was such a, you know, the, the guys that came up and helped with that, put a lot of effort into it. And, and they did all that to help these, these young firefighters, you know, make that transition from recruit school into the station life and understand it. And, uh, and to me that speaks volumes, you know, um, I know it sounds kind of cliché. Sometimes everybody talks about it, but my wife can attest to this: that uh, you know, I'm I'm devoted to the fire service, and uh, always have been since I got in there and got a taste of what it was like. And 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 you know, as I grew into the service and 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 thought about how many people gave to me to put me in position where I am today to do the things I'm I I, I do and see the job the way that I do. Uh, you know. 10, 12 years ago, I felt like now it's time to start giving it back, pass it on. I can't take it with me. Uh, Give them everything you can. And, uh, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's an unselfish way to put people in position. And, you know, those little tidbits, uh, I've, I've learned a lot from people who have that fresh perspective and they don't have any experience, but you learn a lot from those that have a lot of experience. So this is a job that really humbles you that way that, you know you're you're not really a master of this job you I don't know that you ever will we 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 strive to be and that's the goal but uh you know for me coming out early on I wanted to be the absolute best I wanted to be the guy and 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 I wanted to be that go-to guy and and but you you're going to fail be prepared to fail and I and I feel like the best traits in these in firefighters is is the guys that that fail but get back up and make things right, you know, and that they, they don't, you don't hear a lot of dwelling on the fact that they failed, but you, you actively see them fixing what they need to fix to get things going, whether it's on a call or whether it's like they missed a promotion or, uh, you know, or, or they in a gear workout that day, they weren't the one that was the most dominant in there. And, and so that, that's what I like about up here in Grand Junction, that appealed to me. There was a lot of people that, you know, really care about this department. And, uh, you know, and I, that's what I'm drawn to It, It was, for me, it was, it was, it was an easy decision at that point to come up here. And I was, I was okay with starting over with, with that. So,
1: well, let's talk a little bit about that. So when you came up here and I know you won't bring a lot of this stuff up on your own, so I'm going to bring it up for you and, and see if you're willing to talk about it. But I want you to talk about how old you were. I want you to talk about the opportunities that they were presenting to you. You could have uh, gone a, a several different ways. You could have gone through a shortened academy. You could have got a different position. They were giving you all types of opportunities based on your experience. But let's start with how old you were when you came out here, and then let's talk about those opportunities and why you decided to uh, move forward the way that you did.
2: Yeah, so uh, it is, it's very interesting this little process, this transition from Georgia here. Um, uh, while I was in the middle of my process of, of going through, you know, the hiring process and stuff like that, I was offered a, a deputy chief's position in a, a rural fire department outside of Atlanta, there west of west of Atlanta, and and I was like, holy smokes! I really, I really wanted to come out here to, to Grand Junction uh but at the same time I had some real reservations uh, reservations about going to a chief's position um I'm pretty hands-on kind of guy so I like being in the fray you know where where I can be there with with the guys the you know the 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 blue collar guys on the job that are doing that and I wasn't real crazy about the white shirt part of it and 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 the political things that came with that and I tried to price myself out of the position, but they actually were throwing the money at me a little bit. So it made it tough. But I I eventually turned it down and a good buddy of mine ended up getting it, which was good. So that that's that all worked out. But I, I stayed with the process here. I was I was fifty two years old when I made that transition and uh and yeah, when I came up here and did my first interview, which is kind of a, a, a Calling process if you will where they ask you some you know some questions see how you answer and things like that and they they knew who i was because of my friend uh matthew Bess. he's a firefighter from georgia and he's actually one that kind of got me going out this way and um so they kind of had an idea who i was and when we got in there and they saw my resume they they tried at the time there was a battalion chiefs opening and they they actually asked if I was interested in going that way. And I was like, no, not really. Uh, you know, eventually I liked it to get to the BC position here, but I didn't think like it was a, I, I I didn't think it would be fair to myself to come in here because, you know, it's easy to learn all the administrative things, but, uh, it wouldn't be fair to come right in as a battalion chief and be over other people. And they didn't know me from anybody. And then I didn't know the territory and things like that. So, I mean, tactically and, you know, making decisions and all that would have been just bad for everybody. It it, it would have been a long drawn out process. So I, I I said, no, I'll stay with this. And so then so as I me, went,
1: let me, let me get this straight. You were given the opportunity to be a battalion chief, but you decided I'm going to,
2: I'm going to be a recruit. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't offer me the battalion chiefs, but they offered me a, a chance to go into that process, which was gotcha. simultaneously going on. And 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 I I was uh you know I just like nah I was you know respectfully declined going into that I didn't I didn't feel like that'd be good for anybody so that kind of worked out that way but uh and and you know it was it was not like a formal invitation anyway it was like the 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 people that were interviewing me at the time were like oh you know you you have this on your resume so you could you could be eligible for it and I was like so it, it wasn't like a formal thing but it was kind of funny and all that but you know that for me like i said i I wanted to come in here and 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 you know what there was a part of me that really wanted to to try to go back through the recruit school thing and i was like okay you know i've done these things where i've taught these for so many years more than i can you know count and i'm like do i do i have what it takes to get through another recruit academy and grand junctions recruit academy is pretty legit you know it's 20 weeks long um 15 weeks of it's uh they, they have it pretty well set up. You know, they break it up into blocks. We do foundation skills in the beginning, then it's engine uh, functions, then truck functions. Uh, then we fall into a survival block, which is loosely based on some smoke diver stuff that uh, Matt Vest brought in there. And then we've, we've expounded on that and then a lot of scenarios. So it's, it's – and there's also a technical rescue block in there as well with the wildland and stuff. So uh, they have it pretty well thought out. Uh and, uh, and it was, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, you, know, the, the running and things for somebody my age, that was pretty tough. Um, cause I got old knees, but, um, I made it through and all that stuff right there. And, and, uh, the, the, the chiefs, when I did my executive interview, they were like, they just couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that I wanted to go back through recruit school. And, uh, but I think mostly it was just so the acceptance coming in, having somebody my age come through a recruit academy and and with my experience and you know I, th- I feel like some people might think that i'm just coming in and, and doing things however i want and, and that could be, couldn't be further from the truth you know i'm I'm trying to follow everything the way everybody else does and, and i don't want anybody to ever think that i'm getting any kind of preference uh, preferential treatment you know i think the biggest thing is, is i just i just kind of want to you know, assist anybody here with whatever and try to make things better. And, uh, you know, and luckily, you know, I've been able to contribute a lot in training. That's been, that's been awesome because that's where I wanted to be. That's, that's where I want to be and, and move up into here. I've run my calls throughout the career and, uh, You know, so the the fire chiefs were like, they just couldn't wrap their mind around it. But at one point he says, what if we make you go to the lateral academy? And I was like, well, you're the boss, but uh, I I would prefer the recruit academy. And and I wasn't the the only one. There's another guy with about 10 years experience that came in in my recruit class, did the same thing. Uh, Turns out he's pretty squared away guy and uh, he's already, you know, doing a lot of big things with our department. So that was really good. And we seem to be attracting some really uh, really you know good prospects in the fire service that are coming in in the lateral academy so that's nice uh, we don't have that that uh, front range money yet but we're <laughs> we're it's pretty appealing out here you know with the recreation and the people and things like that and we got some really good firemen out here so there's I'm a couple glad. of things I
1: want to hit on based on what you said I love like um, I went through it I just recently went through three years ago and I love. There's so much humility, like you said. You weren't trying to do things your way. You were trying to kind of do the, whatever the expectation was, whatever the standard was. You were in a headspace that you were going to follow, right in line, fall right in line, and and meet the expectations, exceed them, exceed the standard, all that stuff. But it takes a lot of humility, right? Somebody who has experience, somebody who was a captain. Now you're on the other side of, of the instructor, you're not the instructor. And as somebody who's been one for as long as you have, um, I think, it's, I think that's pretty awesome that you're willing to see the value in being on that other side. Cause it's like, sometimes we get into these positions over the years and it's really easy. Human nature is like, Oh, I've already earned my, I've earned everything. I, I don't need to prove myself or I don't need to, Right. Like I'm the instructor or I'm the whatever. I'm the 30 year guy, whatever that is. And I think it's really important to to be able to do that. Like, I think I mean, I I felt that way. I felt like when I was in that position, that's true humility. And that word gets thrown around a lot. But humility is really just sacrificing your ego for the betterment of those people around you. Right. And that's not an Mm -hmm. easy thing to do. So and we're all A-type personalities. We all want to be the best. If you go into work workout right now, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're going to still like instinctually try to keep up or beat the people around you. And it doesn't mean you will, but you're definitely in that headspace. So I really appreciate that you did that. And then they start trying to tell you, you could go through a shortened academy, but you're saying to yourself, no, I want to go through the full academy because I want to earn the respect of the people around me. I don't want to just be given it because of my resume. My resume isn't where I want that respect to come from. I want it to come from my actions. I don't want it to come from all the things I did in the past. I want it to come from the things I'm doing in the present and giving people a view of who I am through hard work, humility, coaching, mentoring. And that's a cool position to be in because I'm sure you had plenty of opportunities to subtly you know, lift people up. Coach them up, even though you're a recruit alongside of them, which is totally appropriate. So that had to be an awesome experience for you. I bet you it's one of the better experiences in your career.
2: Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. I tell you what, uh, you know, I the there was we had a, quite a big, um, you know, recruit class when I went through. Uh, we started with uh, twenty four. We ended up graduating nineteen out of the class. Had a really that. A really good class that went in there but the group of instructors that were up there that were the lead instructors uh they were really good and, they, and their ages ranged from uh you know uh, we had younger guys with a couple years experience uh, uh one of them who just went through smoke diver with us up here uh m- very mature beyond his years um I, I love to listen to him speak because he is so on point for his age and uh he's just very impressive but the whole instructor uh, cadre that that put us through recruit school were squared away. Uh, there was no egos out there that you know that at no time did they they assert themselves as somebody that was better than anybody out there and uh, their method of of instructing was very sound and thorough and you know they they established a standard. And they stuck to it and and they had everything really organized. And I was pretty impressed with that. And 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 you know, going into that and, and experiencing the first couple of weeks, I knew I'd made the right decision. Uh, you know, looking back, I would not change a thing about how I got into this fire department. And uh, you know, and I and I don't second guess my decision. I'm I'm really happy with uh where I'm at here. And you know, I'm not trying to do anything crazy. They they use me where they will, um, and and that's what I told them. I said, I, I you know, I, I've done a lot of things, and I've and I've met and I have some pretty good contacts, and we've done we've utilized those here and there. But for the most part, you know, I, I went in, I taught r- the recruit academy, I've helped with some uh, promotional uh, exercises and assessments, and um, and you know what, I'm I'm going back online Monday and be working, you know, alongside everybody else there for a few months before we get back into another lateral academy. So, you know, I don't, I don't have any expectations or entitlements that I, I feel I'm, you know, that I'm going to, I I deserve at that point. You know, I, I'm no better than the guys here at the station I'm at right now that set this up for me to talk. <laughs> uh, so th- those That's guys, cool. uh, they, they're pretty gracious. They help me out a lot. So.
1: Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love I love your mindset. I love your heart for the job. Now, when you're making a move like that, even just throughout your career, I know you know, we talk a lot about faith here on this podcast. It's a big part of the podcast. It's something um, really the foundation of this podcast is our faith. Talk to me about how your faith has played a role in the fire service in general for you and how that's helped you to perform at a high level? Cause I feel like it's a big part of my ability to consistently train and prepare, but then also how it played a role in making a decision to uh, leave Georgia and come out here to Colorado.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, so faith is, is huge. Um, you know, I come from the South, so we're, uh, we, 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 you know, I'm a Southern Baptist. So that faith's a big thing for us back home. And, and I have to, to, Throw some props out to my mother-in-law. She she gave me a a, a book of Bible quotes that have to do with the, you know fire leaderships and uh, fire leadership, and it's it's amazing how the Bible really can overlay so many different occupations or lifestyles and things, and really direct you in a positive manner if you let it. And um, that's always been something. Uh, you can literally just randomly open that book and 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 fall on something that that really triggers your mindset, lifts you up and, and really points you in the right direction, no matter what you're doing. So for me, uh, there, I'm not going to sit here and say that out of 26 years, every day was just a glorious day. There were some hard times there, you know, and, um, you know, today we're wrapping up some orientation stuff and, um, and they played a video for the recruits about how to deal with some of the stresses of the job, you know, and how suicides becoming a, a you know, pretty prevalent in the the public safety sector. And so we kind of plant that seed about, you know, you can come and talk to people. We have we have those kind of resources available and things like that. But it, it made me kind of reflect on things uh, throughout the career, my career and stuff. And and it, and it's kind of funny that you asked me that. Um that Because that was something I was kind of just hashing out the you know a few hours ago when this happened when this thing was going on because I was like that's something that really got me through some of the terrible experiences that you know i've I've been a part of through incidents that I've responded to and uh so you know you you can't go wrong with it anybody that ever denies it uh you know. The faith is is just misguided and and it, there's really no negative thing that's applied to it other than some people are just uncomfortable with it. And, uh, and and I feel like it's if they ever just give it a chance, it's it's really something that can be an uplifting part of your your life and no matter what you're doing and in the fire service, it's it's. It really applies in so many facets of the job, whether you're managing other people or you're just a firefighter that's learning everything. It, you know, I mean, iron sharpens iron. That's in the Bible. So there's so many things in there that hold true with what we, what we do and how we perceive our job and, and perform. And, and it's, it's, it's by design. It's, it's not happenstance that that's there. So it's 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 been a good thing for me and you know I've been blessed my wife she's uh, she's a great role model when it comes to that she's she's as uh, she's as dedicated to uh, our faith as anybody and uh, she raised our children that way and and thank God for her so
1: yeah well, you said it earlier to. you said I feel like I was put on this earth to do this job and I think that's okay like I feel the same way like God. My whole life led to this career. Like All the things that I went through, the journey I took, the ups, the downs, the in-betweens were all preparing me for a career in the fire service that God had planned for me way before I had any plans for myself. And It's okay to see the job that way. It's okay to feel like you've been called to this profession that who you are as a, a man, who you are as a woman, who you are as a person could make the difference between life and death For another person. That's incredible. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're pursuing that best version of yourself to know that that person at some point, and it's happened to you so many times in your career, you can't count, but you know who you were as a person, your mindset, your work ethic, your heart, your humility, your servant leadership, all that stuff came together in a moment in time on the foundation of faith and made the difference between somebody living or dying or even just the quality of their life. And not many people could live that way and that be part of their career. It's it's okay. It's okay to connect to that. And I, I, I feel like the more people do, the more they get to the heart of what this job is all about. It's about serving other people and serving them at the highest level. And it requires all the things we're talking about, the preparation, the fitness, the mindset, being a good person. You know, And none of us are perfect. It's never like... We're not looking for perfection, like you said. We're not going to master. We're not going to master this craft. There's no perfection. We're looking for progress. Like we want to just get a little bit better every day. Yeah. That's it. And like, I've had. I recently had. I was talking about it the other day. I had a shift where I had an embarrassing moment early in the shift, and I had an MVP moment towards the end of the shift, and it was all in one shift. And I'm still the same guy. I'm still approaching the job the same way, but we know that that our next call could be our most embarrassing moment and our next call could be our career call where we knock it out of the park and holding true to that and knowing that that's possible in either direction keeps us honest. I love it, man.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, that's so true. And, you know, uh, uh, with faith and in the fire service, two things hold true and they're very Uh, they're, they're synonymous uh, is it's, it's leading by example. Um, You know, it's, it's so easy to get. you know, the fire department in the old days, uh, the, the gallows humor and stuff that we did to deal with things. And, uh, you know, it gets pretty rough sometimes and things like that. And, and it's, that's a hard place to really, uh, to, to lead by example with your faith is, is the firehouse sometimes. And, um, You know, uh, but it's, it's just like, you know, if, if you're going to be, uh, somebody that's a servant leader, even if you're not an officer or something like that, but you're putting yourself out there, it's all about the example. Uh, it, you know, I tell the recruits often that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are when you walk into the firehouse, you're being sized up and, and it may be an officer looking at you to see how your demeanor is that day. And how he's going to use you tactically, or it could be your peers that are like, "Okay, hey, Rick's not on it today. Uh, we're going to have to kind of watch him a little bit." Or, or man, he's hitting on all eight, and uh, you know, I'm going to try to get up in there with him and 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 do everything. So, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just you're always being evaluated by your peers. And uh, and like you said a while ago, if you whether you're wearing a a Grand Junction fire department shirt, or a, a South Metro, or whatever, you know, wherever you're from, um, people look at that and see what you're doing. And if you're if you're behaving, you know, right, people see that. And if you're being, you know, a punk and 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 all that, they're going to see that too. And they and they're going to associate that with everybody, kind of. It's it's just kind of a a blanket assumption at that point. And so you you just got to understand that. You know, I always laughed about because firemen are always put up or firefighters in general are just put up on a pedestal. We really can't if, if they knew how inept we are sometimes in, in our job, uh, they would really fall out on the floor. But they put us on a pedestal. They think we do no wrong. Um, we really have to do something glaringly just wrong for us to be put in, you know, in a position where we have to be. You know, chastised by the public in, in that sense, but uh, we're we're human. Um, we make so many mistakes; it's not even funny. And um, you know, it's everything we talked about already is just a, a way yeah. to deal with it and and move on and move on in a positive manner. So that's that's it, man. Rick, it's I love stuff. how you
1: talked about the public views us as you know they view us as us reaching the highest standards, like in their mind, because like, the problem is, is when we show up on scene, they just see stuff happening. They don't know fire ground pace. They don't know skills. They don't know fitness in the sense of like what that looks like on a fire ground. So, and you know, when we come out of the Academy, when your recruits come out of the Academy, yeah, they successfully completed a 20 week Academy, but they're going to be given an automatic trust because of all the firefighters that came before them. Not because of anything that they did. And it's okay, but what we have to be careful of as a fire service is we don't just hang our hat on that. We don't just hang our hat on the fact that we're given this automatic trust. If anything, we should be trying to elevate it. We should be trying to take the trust that's already automatically been given and take it to the next level. So instead of getting inside their house in three minutes, we're inside their house in 90 seconds and pulling their child out instead of giving the kid that's knocking at the door a hard time because it's dinner time. We're, we're stopping everything we're doing and we're giving them the red carpet treatment in our, in our bay, because that's our job. We're there for 24, 48 hours at the community. Really? We're their servants. We're their servants for that time frame. So I think it's okay to have the community look at us that way as long as we're doing our part. And in my mind, let's take it to the next level. Let's let's elevate it from where it already is. So I agree. I think that's, that's spot on. I want to move into a direction that I'm really excited to talk to you about. I know it's been a big part of your life. It's been a big part of developing your character as a man just as much as your faith has. Um, there's a program out there, and specifically for you, it was the Georgia Smoke Diver Program. Why don't you talk about how you got into that program, what it did for you as a firefighter, what it did for you as a man, and then what you're doing now with the program and, and what direction you're going.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, you're right. This This program is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I really believe in it. I've, I've invested a lot of time and uh, money into this program and um, – and trying to give you a little heads up on how, how I got into it. So when I started back in the late 90s, um, I had a station uh, officer named Tony Davis, and he was a, a smoke diver. And, um, you know, uh, back then, the way we were in that particular department, I actually worked for a couple months, several months, actually, before I even started my recruit school. So it was like I showed up for my first day of work with some uh, yellow turnout gear and, uh, so they knew that I was, uh, not certified, but it didn't really matter. And, uh, he threw an ISTA book at me and, and he says, read this. So, uh, after a while of me reading that stuff, he'd take me out in the Bay and then we were drilling. So, you know, Tony, uh, Tony Davison was, uh, the, uh, the, he was, a uh, the fireman's fireman. He was a great instinctual fireman. Um, but he, he really sowed the seeds for preparation, um, and just what you just said, the, uh, that fire ground pace, not only, you know, when you get there, but from the station, your turnout times and things like that, he was, he was a very aggressive firefighter, but he was not reckless. And I learned so much from that man, you know, and, um, he, uh, he sowed the seed, uh, at that point in time, um, the smoke diver program was kind of in a in a hiatus at that time because of some some issues with uh, the state fire academy back in Georgia, and so there was there were ten years that they were not operating or or doing any classes, and that was towards the end of that. And um, so he sowed the seed there. Fast forward about uh, to two thousand and eight, um, actually two thousand and seven. I was I got accepted to the class, and then I was. I was trying to lift weights like I did in college and I ruptured my uh, my my pec, which is, you know, you don't, it took me kind of out of the process. So I had to wait a year to, for that to heal and then come back and get in there. So uh, I, I did that. In 2008, I was able to trick my training officer and chief into signing me up for the class because they were not really, uh, big fans of the program, which happens sometimes. Um but uh this, this particular class, you know, it, it got it got a bad rap in the beginning, like it was a, a fraternal organization. But um anyway, uh a lot of chiefs had a bad taste in their mouth when it came to that. And my particular chief at the time was not a big fan of it. And so I managed to to play the training officer against the chief, kinda like you do your mom and dad to get to go out and they signed me up and so after I've signed up it was I was in it and went down there qualified um I was a little older cuz I was 38 years old when I did it and uh and so but hey you know I, I think Matt McGee said he said it best when he's like you know there's an element of of luck that goes along with it but this is uh, something that really speaks to your preparation with fitness. Uh one of the things that going into a program like that uh your fitness level can be a distraction in a in a class like that. And if you're not fit, like we tell people we we're, we're, we're not here to get you in shape. Um the PT that's done there is it has two parts. It's one part is uh to get you warmed up for the day and get you kind of limbered up and ready to go so we don't have any kind of you know Injuries from that, and then the other part of it is to start, uh, you know, setting the stage for the drills, uh, setting the stage for the mental stress, the the stuff that goes forward, and and that's what it's about. Uh, if you're not fit, your your stress level is going to go way off the charts. Whereas if you were somewhat prepared physically going in there, it it, it sets you up for success. So that it really drives fitness in that program that way. But, uh, yeah, the program has just been great for me. Uh, I went in there and it's like you and I, uh, you said earlier, you know, we're, we're a lot alike. So we're drawn to each other and, and going in there, you're around a lot of high speed people. Um, I can't tell you what the networking has done for my career by being a part of that program. And, um, and the people I've met and I run with, uh, you know, still today, and teach with, I learned so much from them. And um, it's it. You talk about humbling is walking around in a crowd of folks like that. Um, and and you know, because you 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 uh, you run around with a lot of high speed guys too. And uh, it's just it's it's great to see that because. Um, it's really uplifting about what the job, what, you know, I don't have many years left in this job and um, I understand that. And it's really refreshing for me to see a lot of people take ownership, especially the young guys um, that, that are taking ownership. They're, they're getting out there. They're, they're stressing the, the oaths that we take and uh, the obligations that we have to each other and the job. And uh, that's great because, you know, when I was coming up through here, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have these platforms that we have to reach out. And, uh, it was magazines. It was, uh, it was these trainings that go into these conferences and actually talking to people. Now they can, they can message each other through these social media platforms. Um, you know, that's, that's huge for this, this job expanding and, and, you know, it's, it's cool to see people, uh, they're they're challenging these techniques, these concepts of of search, these concepts of rescue, and uh, we're getting better as a whole. You know, it's some people get the ego. You know, like you said, uh, I I pulled up a quote a while ago when you brought that up. This one I, I wrote it down and I absolutely love it, and it's such a it's such a truth. And it's ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. <laughs> Is that not the truth? Right. And uh, so you have a lot of guys that that have this inflated ego. It it makes them resistant to change. It makes them resistant to these new concepts. And 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 humility goes such a long ways that you you just limit yourself when you do that. And uh, you know that's going to a program like Smoke Diver, uh, and 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 even these other programs that I hadn't been a part of. Um, like Florida and them, they're not really affiliated with us. But when I'm around those guys, I, I immediately go over there and I talk to them because I learned something from those people, that, these guys that are Mississippi smoke divers, Alabama smoke smoke divers, the uh, the Tennessee programs, you know, and then obviously all the guys that from the Indy and the Oklahoma ones, um, and these guys that, that are out here out west now, you know, that have gone through either Oklahoma, Indy, or Georgia. They're all over now, and it's just it's great to to hear what they have to say. It's great to 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 talk with them and things like that, and that's one of the best things about this program. and And I think the the program in itself is it comes off as being like a you know beat your chest kind of deal. and And I think we talked earlier uh, one time about how the things I expected. When I went into that program and what I got out of it and and the way I feel about it now are two different things. Uh, It kind of goes back to like the fire service thing. I was very selfish in the beginning, challenging myself and all that. And now it's just like it's I feel like we're stewards of this of of this this job, you know, and 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 it's it's up to us to. You know, that that's the beautiful thing about the program is that when people graduate from that, they're you know, David Rhodes did it when he was smoke daddy and and now Jason Casto does it. But the, the parting words are take what you learn here and spread the word. Spread the word, you know, give it to everybody. And that's that's what really appealed to me is that this is not just for me. You know, the experience is something that's just for me, going through it and doing all that. And that's that's very unique and and uh and I'm so glad I did it, but the the fact that we're not just holding that information to us, we're spreading it out there, and that's really the mission of the whole the whole program and and that's what I love about it. You know we spent a lot of time really in the this last year revamping how we instruct the, uh, we, how we actually cultivate the instructors that are there so that they're there for the right reason. And they're saying things that are consistent and proven. And, uh, and, and we hold that standard. We hold ourselves accountable because we make mistakes. And, uh, but we, the last thing we want to do in a, in a program like that, uh, is make a mistake and cost somebody, you know, a, a chance at, at finishing it because we did something stupid or inconsistent and things like that. So, uh, we're really hard on ourselves in that sense. Um, and I was proud of that. You know, we, <laughs> I think I was on the largest zoom call in the world, uh, you know, <laughs> several months ago and, uh, we had hundreds of people on this. I don't, we had to use some special pro- platform to do it. I don't, that's above my pay grade, but it was really, uh, th- that was cool. That that many people tuned in so that we could get everybody on the same page and and uh, we we didn't have to collectively gather for that. So that's 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 what I love about that program. You know, that's that's kind of why I'm I'm dedicated to it right now. So you know,
1: and you say dedicated. You've been instructing. How many classes would you say you've been part of since uh, you, you finished the program? And then I know the expectation. I mean, the standard is for you to instruct in the program. You have to have completed the program, which I think is phenomenal. I think that speaks volumes about the program, that those instructors have actually successfully completed the program. Uh, I think that's the way it should always be. And uh, so how many classes do you think you've been part of as an instructor?
2: Well, I don't know. I, I could tell you I've missed less than four since 2008. Um, for various reasons, one of them was recruit school, and then a couple of times I had some family trips that I was on that got scheduled, and uh, and then we had some COVID stuff that put some limitations on us, and that was it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, we 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 strongly encourage that people come back. Um, the beauty of the program is like you you're not done learning. We always say that, but uh, the class is kind of a blur. Because of what it is, I mean, you—it's—it's it's almost like being in a car wreck. Uh, as you, when you're done with the whole thing, bits and pieces come back and patchy memories. Um, but when you go back to the class, you start—you—you you say, "Oh, okay, I remember this," and and you see these things. But you really see the effort that goes into putting on this class. This is a very labor labor intensive class for instructors, and it's a uh, logistically um it takes a lot of organization and um and money to get it going and and you know it's a nonprofit organization whatever money's paid for tuition goes towards the perishable items in there um, their, their room and board and things like that. And we put a lot in the medical sector, a lot of that money in there. So, and, and then also insurance, because we're, we're actually uh, pretty self-reliant with insurance, legal stuff. And, uh, and we actually have our own medical directors and things like that. So it's pretty, it's a pretty complex organization as that goes. And, and I've never seen anybody run the uh incident management system better than we do um we get a lot of people that come down just to sit in the uh, plans trailer and see how we organize and do everything. Uh, we, we utilize all the FEMA forms and, and do it. And we, we kind of make the forms fit our program and not our program fit the forms. So it's pretty cool. Uh, that's probably been one of the biggest things I take away from incident management part on large scale incidents is how, uh, you can really manipulate those FEMA forms to work for you rather than try to do the, the other way around, which is what a lot of people try to do. And, um, so that's been great, but man, it's it's a, a labor of love, dude. Uh, I go there. We we have a saying that when we're there, we're recharging the batteries. You know, it's nothing like hanging out with those guys. You swap stories. We talk about new things that people come up with. Um, there's a lot of great young firefighters that are, that have come through the ACAD or through the uh, the the smoke diver program that are you know large. Contributors to the overall fire service with instruction and things like that, and it's it's always good to talk to those guys um, and and see you know what they got going on, their new ideas and things like that because it's 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 really amazing right now the upswing that the fire service is in on on how people are changing the concepts they're they're challenging. You know things uh you know the the fire service got really conservative there for a while in the past ten years about everybody you know u l got in there started teaching us about fire dynamics, and people got a little scared uh, maybe we weren't supposed to be doing aggressive fire attacks aggressive search uh like we we used to do and and so they started holding off on it, but we're finding that you know. You know, knowledge and uh, and training and 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 all that stuff, your physical fitness, all that stuff together is really what's going to put you in a position to make a difference. And it's not it's not cowboy stuff. It's you're you're making calculated decisions, and uh, you know, and that's another beautiful thing about that program is you're, uh, I think. Uh, we we have a lady named uh, Dr. Judy Glick. She's a psychologist out of Georgia. She wrote a book about flow-based leadership, and and she used some of the concepts we teach in there. And she says that uh, she estimates that in that class, you get roughly around six years of experience, fire ground experience in there. So for your recognition prime decision making, you're experiencing all these different things. Um, that can help you survive, you know, because you've been exposed to things uh, that you normally don't get exposed to in, in training and uh, you're able to make a sound decision because you've been there before. Uh, you, you've had that that experience. And um, that's that's pretty cool that we're able to do that. And, you know, to be able to to do some of that stuff, you have to have a lot. I mean, these last few classes, we've had over 100 instructors on on the fire ground. Um, and that's that's a huge instructor to uh, student ratio up there and that that allows us to 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 operate on the fringe of the standards and uh and the safety things we're we're obvious we're not doing any uh crazy stuff but we're we're able to kind of create some situations that really stress that individual so that that's that's maybe some of the worst stuff they've ever seen um in their career nowadays because you know, it's, it's, we just don't run the fires like we used to. And um, so here we are. You know, you, you're getting good experience out there on the training ground, and that's that's awesome.
1: What I want to talk about is you talked about it where the fire service started to get a little more conservative. And I look at I, – I see two, two different types of firefighters. There are two, there's two types of firefighters. There are firefighters looking for reasons to go inside. They're looking for reasons to go inside. And then you have firefighters looking for reasons to stay outside. And it all comes down to what you're looking for, right? And I believe, this is just my belief, the risk is not the same for every firefighter. You have a firefighter that successfully completes or even attempts the Georgia Smoke Diver program. They're somebody who is physically fit. They're up for challenging themselves. They have a growth mindset. They're consistently training. They put the reps, sets, and sweat in over a career. And then you have somebody who spent most of their time in the recliner. The risk is not the same for both those firefighters. It is not. And there are times where we can't go inside. But when there are times where we can and we could occupy space, that risk for that dialed-in firefighter is a lot less than that firefighter that's sitting in the recliner. And I don't think we give that enough credit and that we could – be that firefighter that the risk is less because of who we are and how we approach the job. And that's what I see in this this smoke diver program. One of the big obstacles I see from people attempting it, stepping forward is you hit the nail on the head, you said ego, and then you followed it up with the fear of failure. The fear of failure is the biggest challenge the fire service has. I, I, I'll say it right here. We're so afraid to fail in front of our peers that oftentimes we won't everyone else is throwing a ladder outside and that one person's not going to throw the ladder because that's a a weak skill set for them or you know the door props being banged on in the bay and that other person's like you know what i got to go write some reports on the computer because they're not really strong at forcible entry and it's not that they can't be every single one of us could be great at this job if we put in the work but it's that fear of looking bad in front of other people it's that fear of not successfully completing the georgia smoke diver program that keeps people from stepping forward and attempting it. And I want everybody who's listening to this to know that Rick has failed countless times in his career. I can't count how many times I've failed every shift at some point. I've done something <clears throat> that I could have done better. And it's all those firefighters that you see out in the world that you think are great firefighters or firefighters that you're aspiring to be like. The first thing you have to do is stop looking at failure as failure and as an opportunity to learn and if you're failing in training cuz you're pushing the envelope, that's exactly where you want to fail. But if you're failing on calls or you're not reaching your full potential and you're you're throttling it back or you're finding the reason to stay outside, now you're failing for all the wrong reasons. So man, I think everything you you talked talked about kind of comes full circle with that.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um you're absolutely right. I I I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything in in my career and that goes for the failures um you know the the i look at them as a as a way to grow and things like that and 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 i've come to realize with my age that uh it's 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 part of this job and uh it's it's not if you're going to fail it's when you're going to fail and, and really the, the defining characteristic of failure is how you respond to it and uh you know we don't get a chance on the fire ground to call a timeout to get our wits about us, you know, uh, if we do something wrong and things like that, it's, it's time is of the essence. It's, it's all about uh, regrouping really quick and, and, and moving in a positive direction to meet your goals right there. And uh, you know, going back to, you know, we're, we're starting to to hold firefighters more accountable now and not hide behind the uh, you know, that conservative outlook on the fire ground, like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to risk as an officer. I'm not going to risk, you know, my guys uh, well-being because I'm a little aggressive on, on the, the, my incident management or my tactics as a a shot caller on the scene. But, you know, those, you know, it goes back to what I told you earlier. Uh, When those days that I had to ride up as a battalion chief, when I was a captain, um, I'm assessing my crews. I'm assessing their headspace, where they're at, how they're going to react that day. But I have a sense of how what what are their capabilities as a crew, you know? And and you get that organizational tattoo as a crew, uh, as being go getters or uh, underachievers, and and it's out there. And and that goes with individuals too. But it's it it, it really comes back to a collective. Uh, being in training, I I can I was laughing the other day because you can really see the characteristics of the company officer in a crew. Uh, so we're, we're if you're doing crew evolutions uh, where they come in here, multi-company drills, you can see the imprint that that officer has on that crew on how they move around on the fire ground. So it's, it's very, it, it's, it's so intriguing for me to see that how, how, you see that extend through there. It's, it's so obvious too, when you're, when you're doing the training and, um, you know, uh, it, the only way that, that you get in there and you can do these aggressive maneuvers and be confident with it as a leader and, and put your guys in there is if you guys go out and grind together, uh, you have that confidence in them. They have their confidence in themselves. And, uh, and now you're you're in a point where you're like, hey, I'm going to make this decision right here because I have faith in those guys that they're going to do the right thing. And uh, when they go in there, because it's it's very hard to make some of those those decisions when you're sitting in the yard and all you can see is the exterior of a house. You don't know what's going on past that threshold, and uh, you really have to trust your officers that are in there directing you because you're 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 giving them that leash. You're giving him that leash to go in there and do what needs to be done in order to mitigate that particular problem. And, uh, and, and it comes back down to prepared. uh, are, are is his crew, um, do they go out and, and, and do some team building drills? Uh, do they go out and stay physically fit? What, you know, how do they invest into their crew as a whole to have that chemistry where they're highly effective, and you're going to give them that extra bit of leash rather than pull them back out. And, and you know, that could make the difference between a life uh, lost or a life saved on the fire ground, those decisions. And uh, so it, it, it's funny how everything is so tied together with that, that that. Pro- that preparation, that, uh, the feeling of the obligations that you have, because that's the motivation in the end, right? The, your empathy, the people that you serve, understanding that that is, that's what drives you. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it comes back to your professionalism, uh, and how you prepare that obligation, your dedication, um, you know, and, and then courage. So, uh, you, it's, it's just so, and it, and it's so contagious too. Um, that's another thing. You got guys that are, that really hold themselves accountable as officers. Their guys want to be just like that. Uh, and, and if you got guys that, that are, that are not really, they're doing, they're meeting the status quo. They're
1: yeah, we're good. Yep.
2: Okay, good. I just lost something. But um, anyway, the biggest thing is, is you know, you you sow those seeds, and it's it's hot. Oh, I think you your know,
1: mic, just, I think your mic might have just turned off on there. Let's see. I don't if even your mic know where you're turning on it.
2: Let's see. Maybe
1: you're good. There. We could just keep rolling if you, if it does. not But you can back, hear right? me. Yep. No. Yep. Right, there good you go. Deal.
2: Um. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a pretty cool. Uh, Pretty cool thing when when all eight cylinders are hit. It's a beautiful thing because there's really not a lot of conversation that goes on. No orders given um, when that stuff's happening, and that's where you want to be. You want to operate in that mode constantly. And uh, guys that you hear screaming a lot of orders, really, did, they don't have that continuity in their crews, and uh, it's very easy to spot. Um, so that's a uh, that's a big thing.
1: Well I like how you talked about the um, awareness of your crew the capabilities and it's true right you're like the coach on the sideline and or the coach of the team and you know your your players and their capabilities but the only way you know that is to suffer with them and we talk about the foundation of our job to work together is trust it's it's trust and trust has to be earned I'm sorry uh, just because you're working at the same fire department as I am. Um, I'll I'll trust you at some level, but I'll tell you when I'll really trust you is when we suffer together. When I'm in a, a workout room or I'm on a drill ground and we're both drenched in sweat to complete exhaustion and you're still moving and you you still moving inspires me to keep moving or I, I'm still moving and you, I inspire you to keep moving. It's just that knowing that we're not going to quit on each other and that's earned, man. That's just earned through work. And that's the only other way to, you could go all the classes and sit through all the lectures and read all the books and watch all the inspirational videos you want, buy the shirt and wear the hat. But if you're not putting in the work together, those are just shortcuts. You're just trying to like get there the easiest way possible. And there's no easy way to earn trust. It's just through work. So I agree. And then when you have that, it's a pretty incredible thing, especially for an officer, When an officer doesn't have to micromanage their crew, and they know that they're firefighters and they're engineer, um, all they all they say is, "Hey, I need a hose line to the to the Charlie side, or I need a hose line to the Alpha side." And they're not telling you exactly what hose line or how many feet, and they're not. It it frees up bandwidth for that officer. He now has freedom to actually do his job because he trusts that you could do your job. And think about how much time that condenses on a fireground where he's not having to speak an extra two minutes. He's able to just kind of do his 360 and you have to earn that though. That doesn't happen just because you want it to, it happens because you do the work too. So yeah, that's spot on, Rick. I,
2: I agree 100%. Yeah. That's a fact. Uh, the bandwidth is, uh, is so underestimated from the, uh, the firefighters of what an officer has to really digest when they come up there and make those decisions. And uh, when you have somebody that really uh, needs a lot of supervision, um, it really takes away from that decision-making process. It's such a huge distraction, um, so it, it's uh, it, it's a huge thing. And, and you know what? It's uh, it really comes back to training and preparation. So, like you said, you go in there and and you do you do your workouts together. You do your training together. You don't you don't shortcut any of that stuff. You and you literally when you go in there, you meet uh, you know you meet that training with uh with the attitude that that you're going to get something out of it it's not you're not going through the motions and uh you know that happens sometimes it's really easy to get into that mindset but if you resist that and uh and you go in there you know and sometimes that's the beauty of having a good crew too is is sometimes uh we're all human and there's days that i don't want to go out there and do certain things you know and uh you know we got a, a a boy up here that that went through this last uh, smoke diver thing, and uh, his name's Corey Massey. I'm gonna throw his name out there, but this little joker right here—he's—he's—he's—he's a he's, he's, he's hundred mile an hour all the time. He—he he's, motivates me all the time because he—we—he would come in and, and help instruct the academy as an adjunct instructor. Uh, instructor, and he's like. Hey, we're going to go do a gear workout this morning before everybody gets here. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not really feeling it. And he, he kind of looks at me and he knows how to push my buttons and I'm like, all right, we're in. So then, then it's on, you know, and we got our little competition going on, but that dude is, he's tough as, as iron and, um, you know, and, and he, he, there's, there's a lot of guys that are around here like it, you know, I, I. The other day we were doing that scenario stuff, and some of the instructors that were there when the, the recruits went and ate, they went over there and did a workout. And I'm, I'm over there, uh, you know, running around like herding cats with all this stuff, trying to get it right. And uh, but these guys are over there; they're doing they're doing a, a workout over there on the rowers and things. And and I was just shook my head, and I was they, they were they're high speed like that, so that's uh, it's good to see that. Young officer was had his crew over there doing that stuff together. So it was pretty cool. And that's great because we
1: rely on each other on the fire ground the same way. It's, you know, if you need somebody to kind of give you that view of what it looks like for the day to do the job right, because some days you come in and it's been a rough, you know, you had a four day where you had a lot going on, you're exhausted and now you, you're you kind of like, you know what, maybe this is just a light stretching day or whatever you're, whatever negotiations you're making in your mind, because that's what we do. We start negotiating. Well, I've been doing this for a long time, and maybe today I don't need to do anything. Or maybe, you know, and then you start seeing somebody on your crew giving you a view of what it looks like to do the job right. It puts you in that direction. One of the things I want to talk about, Rick, and I believe you'd agree with this, is I think the biggest thing we could do to, to benefit ourselves, our crews, our communities is it's so important how we view what we do, how we look at our job, like what we view. I think the big piece missing for people who aren't approaching the job in a way that puts them in a position to perform at a high level is it's just the way they're looking at what they do. Like if you could just change the way you look at what you do, we talk about with Fit to Fight Fire. We believe our level of fitness will make the difference between life and death for other people. Like we believe that it's not a catchphrase. It's not a quote cliche. It's it it runs deep in our soul. Like I believe that. So that's how I view what I do. Right. So when there's that excuse that comes up to not work out or not train, if you view the job, the way you do Rick and the people that you run with do, it's so much easier to move in a direction of training. But if all you do is you look at this job as it's just a job, the chances of me getting that big call today are pretty slim. You're basically playing the lotto is what you're doing at that point. You're, you're gambling. And the way you're looking at it is it's no different than how somebody walks into Home Depot, and there's nothing wrong with working at Home Depot, but you might as well be stocking shelves if all you're doing is looking at this as a job, benefits, schedule, and pension. So I think that's a big piece. That anytime I see somebody struggling with consistently working out, consistently training, it's you're just not looking at the job in a way. What I would say is that that warrior spirit, that warrior spirit, it's okay to have that.
2: Yeah, and and you know that's a a form of complacency. You know, where if you get into that mindset, and it and it and it really grows exponentially. It's so easy to slack off, and the next time it's easier, and the next time it's easier until where it's not even a problem anymore, and you you totally lose track of the importance there. And, uh and you know like we said earlier it the physical fitness in this job is absolutely something that you can you can go and work on and and make better it's it's that that one thing that you can control that you can go in there and do and and really get yourself where you need to be so that you're you're functioning at a high level and now the other things. Come with it, you know, like uh, I got a little say and I, I was doodling one time and I, I was drawing a triangle and uh, and it is I call it the efficiency triangle. And on one side, it's your physical fitness. Right. And then on the other side, it's that mental fitness and uh, mental toughness. And then that that third leg is your air consumption. And those three things are are intimately tied together. If one of those things weighs wanes in any way. It, it pulls on the other and you pay for it that way your air consumption goes up uh your mental stress goes up and you want those those three legs to be identical so that they're pulling equally and that's that that's that area where you're operating in total efficiency like we were talking about as a crew it really in your crew air management. Or crew efficiency. You, if you, everybody's good to go physically. If everybody's good in a good headspace, uh, the air is going to be good. Your your efficiency as a crew is going to be at a high level. Um, and and all that comes with training. Uh, your physical training. Your 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 training for your job. You know, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is to watch somebody walk up to a door and spin a house. The physics of that that tool, how they get it in there and and get it to work, and uh, that that's frustrating because you you can fix that. All you have to do is get off your tail, go out there, and, and get that tool, and go out there and and force the door, uh, and and make that something that's it's a it's a motion that that's autonomous. It happens without thinking. And, and you're worried about other things on the fire ground now without having to worry about how to stick a tool (laughs) in there and gain leverage on this door and force it. So that's, that's all within our control. It is in our
1: control. I like that you brought up the air consumption. I don't think we give that enough credit because we are limited to the amount of air and how long we could make our, our, how much work we could get out of our cylinder. And you really, If you don't, if you don't train in that, if you don't have your air pack on and you're not training, like let's say you get 20 minutes out of your cylinder, but your, your partner gets 12, well, you're limited. Most of the time you're going to be limited to that 12, right? So that's the other side of it. We all got to be showing up with the ability to stretch that, that air consumption. And a lot of that is our cardiovascular fitness. A lot of that is our mindset. It's our willingness to push ourselves with all that gear on and breathing on air, that Most people are uncomfortable. And this job, I think the problem is, is if you are looking to be comfortable, you're just not going to be good at this job. It's just not going to happen. Like there's, there's no way like to be good at the job you have to, this job is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to run five calls after midnight. One of them being a structure fire, one of them being an extrication. It's just uncomfortable. Those are good calls. Those two calls I just mentioned are great calls, but you're going to be exhausted. And if you're somebody who's been seeking comfort all the way up until that point, what is that going to look like for you? You know? So the idea that this job is comfortable or telling anybody who's looking to get into this job that it's comfortable. Yeah. You, we sit at the table, we drink coffee, we have great conversation. It's just, it's just not realistic.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh, We have a little saying out on uh, the training grounds out there is uh, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable and, 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 and all that means is that uh, we're, that's where we're going to function. Um, we have to be able to be mentally tough uh, to do that because you know, down in Georgia, this time of year, a structure fire is is a tough thing to do because the humidity and things like that. So, you know, your gear acclimation—you don't sit in the AC in a recliner and get acclimated to your gear. That that's a level of uh, comfortable that a lot of people aren't intimate with, and. Uh, you know, when you go out there and and you get in that situation where you come out of a structure fire and there's really no relief because of the humidity and things like that, um, it's gonna it's gonna be detrimental to your performance there. And so, you know, the efficiency on the fire ground is gonna pay for it. And uh so in in your in let's face it, each person is an integral part of that action plan, right? And anybody that takes away from it is is gonna be working against that positive momentum and reaching those goals on there, whether it's, it's a life safety issue or a, uh, you know, your property conservation mode at that time, you know, so it's really important to, to make sure that you got that, that mindset and you're, you're comfortable with that.
1: Yeah. And you said, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And what's nice is when you move in that direction and you see the results of that type of mindset followed by that type of work over and over again. And you're able to see, I could last longer. I could do more work. You know, when you're fit as a firefighter, you're in a position to do more work. And if that doesn't motivate you to be fit, I don't know what will. And the more you start seeing that, that growth within yourself and your ability to do your job at a higher level, I think the next level of that is being uncomfortable with being comfortable now you're like at this point where you're like hey man i'm just sitting around here i haven't done anything and i know i'm not getting better so now you're at the point where like comfort itself is uncomfortable and not that you're some crazy person that's always got to be uncomfortable but you see that if you're not seeking discomfort in your life whether that's facing your fears whether that's uh, attempting the Georgia smoke diver program, whatever that is for you, you know, that you're not, you're not growing. So I think that that moves into that next level. Like I'm at the point now, you know, where I feel like when I'm sitting around doing nothing, man, I'm just, I'm going backwards. I'm going backwards.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think when you, when you do that and you test yourself that you, you, you end up putting yourself in that position where you almost feel like you're cheating yourself a little bit if you're not out there doing that. And, uh, you know, one of my things is I absolutely love doing gear workouts. That's, that's my, that's my way of going out there and doing fitness stuff. Uh, and, and, and I guess sometimes it seems a little sadistic, you know, some of the things we do, but I, I like doing it and I like doing things that are fire ground movements. Those are, that's my wheelhouse right there. And, uh, but I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I, I have to at my age go and I have to do approach workouts different than I do. But uh especially with weightlifting and, and extreme cardio stuff like CrossFit movements and things, especially plyometrics. But uh but for me, like when it comes to gear workouts, that's it's always the same. Uh when I do gear workouts now, I have the same expectations I had when I was uh when I was thirty, you know, doing this stuff. I try to to, to operate in that there. I don't change anything as far as intensity or the types of movements there. I use Fireground movements and I do them. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I like that. That's, that's the gratifying part of it, you know? And, uh, and I like, uh, you know, challenging myself that way too, because there's, it's so easy to, uh, to really quit, especially if you're doing it by yourself, you know, cause I used to come home and do it. And, uh, I, I, my mailman would come down the road and I'm out there flipping a tire and full turnout gear, you know, and they're, they, they eventually got used to it, you know, that I was doing stuff like that. And, uh, and, but it's, but I, I really enjoyed it cause I'd come home from work and that's what I did. You know, I'd go do a workout at least once a day, high intensity. At, gear that was workout. your,
1: that's your normal. That's yeah. your normal. You get to, do, you get to choose your normal. That's your normal. That's, mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned now that you're. Older, And I want to talk a little bit about that because you're 52, 50, 52 I'm, years old. I'm
2: 53 now. So.
1: 53. Okay. So yeah, I'm 48. Sir. I'm 48 years old. And, um, talk to me about how you see age, how you see age. Cause a lot of people could easily use age as a, as an excuse or a reason to work harder. There's two ways of looking at that. How All do right. you view, how do you view being 53 years old and a firefighter and what's your daily method of operation. Like how do you work around? Like, I know I, when you said plyometrics, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Man. Rings true to me too. Like I don't do box jumps anymore. I do, I do step ups and that's yeah. just, that's just the way I've adapted. But you know, what's your, what's your take on age,
2: man? Well, age is a number. Um, You know, I've, I've been pretty blessed. I've, I've not had any major injuries. Uh, even when I played football or anything like that, I do have a lot of wear and tear because, uh, you know, I've done some dumb things in my life, but for the most part, um, you know, and and I've changed the way I look at everything and, and how I, I go and work out, like I said. But, uh, you know, I feel good. I feel good right now at 53. I, I feel like, you know, I, I would like to go out there with the young guys. Uh, I absolutely relish the competition that comes with that because, uh, you know, when those guys are trying to beat me, that makes me feel good. Now, I don't I don't beat them all the time anymore because they're let's just face it. I'm old, they're young and uh, they're, they're faster and stronger than I am. But I absolutely love the fact that they're, they compete with me because that means something to them. And uh, that makes me feel good. And, uh, but it, it motivates me to, uh, I, I, I thrive on that because we're, we're motivating each other and it's such a, a good thing. And, and working out together there, you know, uh Together it it really builds uh, a very good bond a very uh high level of chemistry um because you 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 guys like you said earlier you're, you're sweating and bleeding together out there you're grinding together suffering and uh that goes a long way you know you you know how these people are gonna and if, if we get in a bad way you know what they're gonna do to get out of it they're not going to be somebody that's a boat anchor that you have to drag out of there. They're going to be proactive in uh in in trying to get ourselves out of this predicament or working towards that common goal that we have. And uh and and it's almost like experiencing a mini-call, if you will, uh, without all the dangers in there. It's kind of something you, you go in there and it's like, okay, here we go. You know, we come up with this. This little workout and, and Lord knows our competitive side kind of gets the best of us sometimes because we come up with some doozies. And uh, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, I cannot believe we did that. But uh, so irresponsible as an officer sometimes. But for the most part, you know, you get in there and you grind and when you're done, you're sitting there and you just you kind of lay back and it's such a good feeling. Um You know, you've never regretted one of those workouts. Never,
1: never do, man. You never do. As much as it sucks in the middle of it, you've never regretted it.
2: That's a fact. Embrace the suck, right?
1: Totally. Just love it. When you talk about the competition part of it, I think it's so important because no matter how disciplined, inspired, motivated, attached to the job you are, um, when you're when you're next to somebody else, like by yourself, you're going to work hard. But get somebody else next to you pushing and they put their pants on just like you do and they bleed red when they get cut, they're another man right next to you or another woman and they're pushing you, it's going to pull a little bit more out of you. It just does. It's the human spirit. It's an amazing thing. And when when that gets pulled out of you, when that gets pulled out of you and you go a little bit longer, you go an extra five minutes or you get an extra 30 reps, you might still lose. It doesn't matter because when we compete in workouts and training, the community we serve are the ones that win. They're the ones that win. It's not us. Like it doesn't matter like I've lost more workouts than I've won. But the community I serve is in a better place because we we did that. Because we did that together. So I love that that's I know what you mean when you're and especially when you're you're 53 and there's some 20 20 year olds what's so cool about that is you're able to give them a view of what it could look like to do the job at 53. Yeah. Because unless they see that, unless they, fi- unless they see that in real life, they don't know. And that's you out there giving them a view of that. So uh, they're lucky to have that. That's a great, that's a great yeah. spot to be in.
2: And I tell you what, it, it, starting young with that mindset really helps you as you get older. Because I, I I've seen a lot of guys my age in this job that look older than they are because they didn't take care of themselves or, or they didn't kind of drive themselves that way. Uh, They're dealing with, you know, uh, some health issues and things like that. They're trying to basically get by on the job uh, so they can get to their retirement and then get out of there. And it becomes kind of a survival thing for them. And it, for me, I still look at the job the way I did 26 years ago is that I'm excited about the next call. Um, it, it does, I'm not going to lie and say that some calls grind on you a little bit. They do, but, uh, I, I still, I still enjoy the, the fellowship that's in the firehouse. I enjoy the calls and, and going out there and being able to go through an experience on a, on a, uh, you know, uh, a stressful incident and experience that with them and then come out in the end on the good side and, you know, where we made a difference and, uh, man, that's that's such a great feeling. Um, you know, I came out of training the last time and my first fire back is actually the first fire I ran in my career in a long time that I was not an officer. And uh responding to the, the fire, I was I was grinning from ear to ear, and my captain sitting up front and he's like he Yells at me, he's like, Swells, I need you to get, get this line for me, and uh, w- I'll meet you at the front door. And I'm like, I can do that, I got you. And it was so nice that I was check, I, I, check, yeah, yeah, I was not having to thank for anybody else or come up with anything. It was like, Oh, yeah. I could get a line and go to the door. I've been one, I haven't done this in 15 years, I'm loving it yeah. so. Uh, Yeah. And it was, it was so surreal and, you know, we actually made a grab on that fire. So it was awesome. Our crew made a grab, pulled them out. Uh, Everything went off really well and uh, that kind of stuff's really fulfilling, you know, and that you come back and be able to talk about that and, and and our department's been pretty successful here lately on their, uh, on fires we've had with that kind of thing. And that's, that's awesome because we have a lot of young leadership and uh they're they're seeing that big picture there' there there's a lot of guys that uh that follow you as a matter of fact and uh listen to the things you have to say you have great influence out there i laugh uh I don't laugh I smile at the the fact that they are taking that that information and and they're sending it you know to other guys in the department so uh we have younger officers that are just now uh they became promotional for for these uh, positions that are coming open and, and a lot of guys are feeding them good information from, from people like you and, uh, and other people out there that have some really good ideas. And, and uh, that's a great thing, man. I'll tell you what, it's uh, the the back in the day, it was, it was hard to get that information. And, uh, and nowadays it's, it's really easy to get that out there, see guys that are really hungry for that. And, and not only that younger guys that are, that have a strong sense of humility, that uh they understand that um there's a lot at stake. There's uh that that they have a lot of obligation not only to themselves but the guys that they're gonna be leading so that they're squared away making good decisions and preparing everybody for the fight. And um that's that's a good thing to see, man. I love it uh when they come up there and and we train. You know, I do line training now a little bit and uh it's it's awesome to see them come up there and direct these younger firefighters, and and they're they're not telling them BS. They're they're telling them good, sound uh, information, and uh, they're they're building what we were just talking about that that chemistry, and uh, they're they're building that team uh, so that they can go out and be successful when they get there. And not only that, just make very good decisions and actually be a little aggressive. Okay and uh make those calculated decisions when they need to and it's it's not a freelancing or a we're not throwing mud at the wall and hoping it sticks kind of thing this is something where we feel confident about the decisions we're making and uh we're going to go in there and make a difference and um and put ourselves in the best position to succeed and uh you know uh, uh aggression mitigates risk uh, you you have to have that mindset if you if you're conservative in your your uh, your decision making, whether you're a you're at the task level or a uh, a task, you know, a, a tactical level, um, you're setting yourself up for se- for failure in this job, you know, because the the fire that's there, uh, whatever that incident is, is not going to play by the rules. It's going to follow the path of least resistance and grow if you don't head that curve. Off, you know, and and stabilize that incident, and so you got to be aggressive. Agre- you know that that's 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 going to have the best outcome, but you you can't do it recklessly. You have to have the knowledge. You have to have that confidence.
1: And so, it's in today's world, like you said, you know, just where technology is today. There's a lot of good information out there, and uh, one of those things that I I used on a call that uh, led to some success for our crew and. And pulling somebody out is that firefighter rescue survey um, that firefighter rescue survey is phenomenal because those are that's data that's been filled out by firefighters that have made grabs and we have you know what's the highest probability what what's where is that person most likely going to be now we could do targeted searches and when you say be aggressive be aggressive about occupying that space where they're most likely going to be and i love it because those people inside you know they're they're taking in smoke they're taking in smoke and the quicker from air break to us getting them out into the fresh air uh, we can accomplish that they, their chances of survival i think the last number i read was from air break to about six minutes if we could get them out within six minutes their chances of survival go up significantly and what that means is everything it's everything it's fitness it's separating from the rig it's grabbing the right tool it's not having to open multiple compartments to find your hand tools or whatever, however that looks. It's moving from the rig to your target to getting inside, and all that stuff comes together, and you hopefully get that done within six minutes. But that's being shared now in a way that's over the, over the Internet. And like you said in the past, that was either a Fire Engineering Magazine or you had to go to FDIC, and you got to do that once a year. So the amount of information that's available to firefighters – could really compress their ability to get in a position to perform at a high level. And if they are the only one in their fire department, that's into the job. Like let's face it, there are fire departments out there. You might only have one or two guys that feel like the black sheep. They feel like an outcast. Well, now they could look out into the fire service and they could see Rick swales and they could see guys all over the country that are, that are getting after it. So I think it's a good time to be in the fire service. I'm excited. I don't know how many years I have left. I know you said you have a short time left, but I'm pretty inspired by seeing 20, something year olds approaching the job in a way that it took me several years to get to that point that I looked at the job the way I do now. And these guys are looking at it like their first couple of years because of all the mentorship and coaching and, and uh, regional conferences and all these things that they're going to. It's a great time to be in the fire service.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh that's one thing that makes me so excited about being here. You know that, <clears throat> not to switch gears, but and going back to the smoke diver thing and and this idea that we came up with to try to bring it to Colorado, and uh, man, I've really got a lot of positive feedback uh, about bringing that here, and um, you know, and that's that's been huge. I've been I'm so excited about that. I know it's going to be a slow process getting the infrastructure in place to get it because it's such a complex thing but uh really excited about that the the guys that from colorado here that have gone to those classes uh they're really excited about it and um and and we still we get it's kind of funny because uh there's been quite a few guys from georgia that have moved to colorado lately and uh, especially around denver area out there and uh that's good because you know we're we're up to 11 now smoke divers in uh, in the state of Colorado that have been through either the ND Georgia or the Oklahoma program which is kind of the the blueprint for what we're going to do and um and that's it's really exciting cuz it's something i think that the a lot of the firemen around here the firefighters in the state are going to gravitate to and 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 we'll be able to kind of foster this mindset this uh this this sense of uh, obligation to the job, you know, through that. And, uh, and really just help build the state up a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of great fire firefighters here that, uh, in this state already. And, and I think this will just be a huge compliment to that and are just super excited about that part right there. Uh, just ready to go.
1: Well, Rick, I know you have a, uh, Well, I think you said you have a a graduation tomorrow. You have a graduation for your academy. So we're going on night. We're going. Yeah. We're going on 90 minutes here, man. I'm going to, I'm going to have you come back on in the future. But what I want to say is, first of all, thank you for approaching the job the way you do. Thank you for, you know, doing it for so long and, and being a view for a guy like me and those that are out there of what it looks like to do the job right. We all need that. We all need that in our lives and we appreciate that. Is there anything you would uh, like to leave the listeners with, or if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
2: Um, you know, as far as getting in touch with me, uh, you can, you can get probably the best way to just message me through the Instagram page for Colorado smoke diver. Uh, if you're interested in something like that, or you have a a question in general, you can do that. Um, I'm not hard to get a hold of, but you know, I'll tell you this, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are like me that just that haven't been in a position where they talk and or be able to reach other people. And, and for this, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have someone like you to talk with here on this platform and actually get some of this information out. So, uh, you know, likewise on, thank you for that. You know, you're, you're a, a driving force for a lot of people and uh, directing them in a positive manner. And there's so many people out there that we talked about earlier, these younger guys that are, they're driving this uh, job in a very positive direction um, and, and we're going to, I feel like we're going to get back to, to where we were, you know, back in the day where people are really aggressive. Again, we're making good decisions. We're challenging the, uh, the concepts that are out there, the, the, the mindsets, uh, on, on how we do the job. And, uh, we're, we're, we're pushing the progression and, uh, that's, that's what we need to be. We need to, to, to move in a positive manner with this job and, uh. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you said, it's for uh, all the people we serve. So thank you. I just want to leave
1: it. I appreciate you being here, brother. I really do. I want to leave all the listeners with this. If you're out there, you're grinding every single day. You're putting in the work. Uh, You don't feel like you're being noticed. Trust me, you are. There's somebody watching you. You're an example to somebody. We notice you. We see you out there doing the work. You're inspiring us. And we just want to say, keep doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. If you're looking to improve your mental and physical fitness, join our community. For only $5 a month, the cost of a cup of coffee, you'll receive a workout of the day seven days a week, a daily inspirational message seven days a week, a monthly training. But more importantly, you'll be surrounded by a community of like-minded firefighters all on the same mission to become the best versions of themselves so that they could serve their community and their families at the highest level head over to patreon.com backslash fit to fight fire and join our community